What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. You know, sometimes in life, uh, you come across some awesome individuals, and um, you just really connect with them, and you feel their energy, and you know that they have a cool story to share. And that's why today, I'm bringing on this guest that we have, Henry Cornelius. Henry is a man that I came across by you know, coaching club basketball. That's kind of how I really connected with him. And then I started following his journey outside of that and just seeing what he's doing. It's just incredible. So I knew he had a story to share and boy, does he, I can't wait for you guys to hear it today. We're going to be talking about, you know, his, his upbringing, his basketball experience, you know, coming up out of Northern California, uh, just what his whole entire journey was like. It was very unique. It was not your, you know, normal, oh, I'm just going to dominate high school basketball, get recruited to the division one level. No, no, no. There's some steps in between. And then even at the college level, he has quite the experience that helped him get through adversity that he had to overcome. He had to persevere the mental strength that was required to, to keep going and keep going until he eventually had an opportunity to play at the professional level. So such an inspiring story. Um, he's an amazing guy and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And before we get started, I just want to give a massive shout out to today's sponsor, which is DeLuca Insurance Group. So please allow me to share some stuff about our sponsor. Discover the savings at DeLuca Insurance. Whether it's auto, home, motorcycle, or recreational vehicles, we've got your back, Idaho. And when it comes to life insurance, trust a local agent who cares about your best interests. Save today and protect your tomorrow with DeLuca Insurance. Call Kara Lee at 208 208- 813-7273. Again, massive shout out to DeLuca Insurance Group for helping me out um, and sponsoring this podcast, being connected with me. I love working with people like them, companies like them who support this channel. So thank you so much for uh, helping support the channel. Go hit them up if you have any insurance needs, DeLuca Insurance Group. Guys, like I said, it's going to be a fun one today. Get your notepads out. Get ready to take some serious notes. This is the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game time. This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Shane Larson here, host of the show. Almost seven years running. I tell you this every week. I mean, it's getting closer to that seven-year mark in January. appreciate all those who have tuned in during the years. Uh, If this is is your first time listening or watching, wherever it's at, welcome aboard. Happy to have you here. Um, As I said in the introduction, we're we're bringing on a guest that I've been trying to get a hold of. We've been trying to coordinate schedules together for about the last three months or so, four months. Um, I had the opportunity to cross paths with him when I was coaching uh, club basketball. We both coached for the same club at Idaho Premier during the spring, and we had the opportunity to cross paths there. And then I've just been following him ever since and kind of seeing what he's doing. His name is Henry Cornelius, and we're going to be talking about his basketball career. Henry, thanks for joining the show, man. Man, I appreciate you having me. It's been it's been a while. We've been trying to get this all set up. Yeah, yeah, but we got it though. So that's that's Not the weird. that's the best part about it. Um, Two of us were working, you know, I have a full-time job and some other businesses. Henry's got his training that he's doing, which we'll talk about, which keeps him extremely busy and family and everything. So we've, we finally made a time. Yes, we're going to try to be efficient with that time and, and get to know you a little bit better. So Ooh. here's the deal, man. There's a lot of people in the Treasure Valley of Idaho that uh, know you as the trainer. Um, yeah. And that's how I knew you. But I want to know, and they know you as a coach as well, because you've done some coaching. Yep. But I want to know you as the basketball player too. So I want to, that's what we're going to dive into a little bit today. So, Henry, let's, let's rewind the clock, man. Talk to me about when you picked up a basketball for the first time or when did you decide that like basketball was going to be your sport? Oh, yeah. So, um, grew up, I was the second youngest of nine. Wow. Um, I have a, yeah, all brothers and sisters, all of them. We all played sports growing up, uh, but it was a select few of us that really dived into basketball. Me being the youngest, we the youngest, you just follow what your siblings and what your other family members did. Like I I grew up in a basketball family, right? I had um, cousins who went to college and played at a top level. So I went I used to go to all of their games. Like I had a one of my cousins, she went to uh, a division two school down in Northern California, Notre Dame to more I don't even know if I said that right, but I used to go to their games all the time. Uh, my my family we would just, you know carpool 
go there, watch all of our home games. And it was so inspiring just to see like that atmosphere. And so like when I was at those games, I was really, I don't know how I was doing this decision. I was really like picturing myself being on that floor and playing basketball at the highest level. So I just always made it to the point that basketball was going to be the thing that I wanted to do growing up. Um, I mean, I played other sports. I did a little bit of flag football. I know it's not tackle, but my mom didn't allow me to play tackle football. She said, no, too many, too hard hits. She couldn't take it. So did some flag football, did some baseball. But I just really just love the game of basketball. Um, I played in some, some, some leagues, you know, growing up. Um, and it wasn't until I got to the third grade where basketball became a serious thing for me. I started playing AU with uh, – a local AAU program wasn't very popular. Like growing up, it wasn't until high school where AAU was really like dominant for me. Like you start, I started to see the development of AAU, the progression, the growth of it. You know, it started out as like a small thing, and then by the time I got to late middle school, high school, and we would go and play in big tournaments like Las Vegas, you just saw the teams from all over the country, Texas, New York, you know so forth just playing in these tournaments and you just saw the level of competition so it really just inspired me to just work on my game a lot more and um you know growing up in northern california you got a lot of talent jason kidd you know gary payton um you know the list goes on and on with all these top players that went from northern california and you know the camps that my mom would put me into i've had you know a couple of guys did like speeches like brian shaw I went to a, a big time camp. He did a speech. Leon Poe, um, very, you know, he's from Oakland. He came and did a speech at a basketball camp that I was at. So it just seeing that inspiration and seeing people grow up in a similar environment that I was. I didn't have a lot growing up, but seeing those people, you know, turn out and have success stories um, and make it to their goals, it just inspired me more just to keep going and keep pursuing. Crazy. A couple things to unbox there, man, is uh, second uh, youngest of nine. What's the age gap between the oldest and the youngest? Ooh, okay. So the the oldest, I believe my oldest sister is in her late 40s. And okay. my youngest sister, um, she just turned, I believe, 21. So we're all in our 20s and up. <laughs> Man, bless your mother. That's wild, though. Like, it's just crazy to me. because no, I... We got the same dads, just different moms. Except for okay, women. okay. Okay, so it's all I got you. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. But still, nonetheless, that's a lot of siblings. You're well, around a lot of people. A lot of backyard um, battles, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yes, that's so crazy, dude. That's cool though. Um, I will say this. Who's your favorite? No, I'm just joking. I was gonna say who's your favorite? Joking. Um, here's the other question. You mentioned AAU basketball. Okay. Yep. So as I mentioned earlier here for the listeners, that's kind of where I came across with you. Like as far as like getting to actually know you a little bit better was through yep. club basketball, basically yep. AAU basketball. When I was in high school, I mean, I'm 35 now. Right. But when I was in high school, you literally had to make a team here in Idaho. There were two clubs. There was Idaho select and Boise flight, and you had to be invited to make them. And there was like two yep. teams on each of those. There was like, you didn't get to just have a club. Like not everybody had a club. It was either you played YMCA basketball or you were invited there. So it was, it was a little different for me. So I've seen the evolution of AAU and club basketball like since then, especially over the last 10 years or so. Yep. Um, and it's been wild for me to watch that evolution and now being a part of the coaching aspect of it. I, I just honestly can't believe where it's at now compared to where it was back oh, then. But it's crazy. As a, as a player yourself, you mentioned some of the competition you got to see when you were in high school. You go into these tournaments in Las Vegas and wherever else. Um, talk to me about your opinion on AAU basketball, it looks like you were able to take it for a positive. I know that there's some that just, they don't leverage what they're getting there, but can you maybe explain from your perspective as an athlete to those athletes that might be listening and the parents, yep. how do you leverage what you're getting out of that? Because it ain't cheap to play AAU. That's for sure. I mean, AAU, what well, AAU is now, it wasn't like that in high school, right? But I started to see guys you know, getting that sort of AAU treatment. I mean, the in the EYBL, it's new teams now than it was when it first started out. I mean, yeah. you know, so I didn't really know much about AAU, like, at, like in the high school level, just like the exposure part. I was still learning and adjusting to it and just trying to figure out what was the best place. Because for me, I just wanted to play. I didn't care who I was playing against. I just wanted to go out there and just play. Like, I, I was very competitive. And I was okay with accepting, like, hey, if I go up against this guy, 
who's really good and we lose and you know so forth like he dominates i'm okay with that because it's making me a better ball player i wasn't i never hide it from the moment right and i was okay but like you know what if we lose and you know and i gave it all i got okay cool i'm putting myself out there and yeah. i think a lot of times you know nowadays i think a lot of kids shy away from the, the competition where they'll just play AAU, but not going to play against the top level competition. And it's, and I get it, you know, you want to just develop, but you can also develop while playing against top level competition. Like you can go out there and go to those tournaments and play on those good teams. You just want to find a team that is going to fit your strengths and is going to play. If you're playing for a team and it's not, you know, sponsored by Under Armour or Nike, so be it. But if you're playing against guys who are on those Under Armour Nike teams or, you know, may not be sponsored, but still you're getting seen in front of top level coaches, that's good. Because if you're killing them, this coach got to be like, wait, hold on, who is this guy? And that's when they start doing their research about you, right? Totally. So you just, like, middle school is all about development, right? So it doesn't matter what AU team you play for. It's all about development. Getting in reps, you're trying to figure out who you are. I was just having this conversation with one of my parents. It's figuring out who you are because a lot changes for both men and female, right? Puberty, yep. like all this type of stuff happens and changes, right? Your body, just with everything. You're just trying to figure out who you are from 11 to 14. So when you go off to high school, you already got that established. Now it's just finding the best team that you can play on where you can get enough exposure, right? And still keep developing, but you already have your identity, right? Yeah. From that elementary, middle school, you're trying to find that. So it's a process, right? Like it's longevity. So you got from however, you know, you start AAU, whether it be age eight, nine, or even younger till 18, that's a lot of development. But by the time you get to high school, you got four years to put it all together to play at the next level if you want to. So in those four years, you can't take that for granted. So every workout that you do, you got to give it 100%, right? You got to take care of your body, right? Every day, I used to always train at least twice, three, two or three times a day, even during the school year. Because I realized if I didn't put in that work, somebody else from New York putting in that work, somebody else from Chicago, Dallas, like Indiana, they're putting in work. They're trying to get to the level that you're getting to. And then what kids don't realize is that, like, yeah, there's a lot of schools, but they are recruiting. They're not just recruiting guys from the U.S. They're bringing in guys from overseas. Oh, so yeah. you fighting, it's, it's crazy, too. You're For that one scholarship you're fighting for, they are recruiting 500 kids. So they're narrowing. It's a process of elimination. They go to an AU tournament. They're not just watching you. They're watching about 10 to 20 teams, right? So they're going. So it might be a tournament in Vegas, right? They might go. It might be Under Armour, Nike, Adidas. They go go to an Under Armour. Then they're going to go to Nike, Adidas. Then they're going on to the other tournaments, right? So they're analyzing. They're scouting. Right. And then they find their players that they really want to dive into and their process of elimination. They do their digging, they do their research. What was, what's his high school highlights? How much did he average? What's his character? What's his personality? Is he hardworking? They start breaking it down. Then when it gets to 100, they really start diving in. They start watching the games. They may not be there to every single game that, that, that the players that they're recruiting, but they're narrowing it down. And then once they get to 10, they're heavily recruiting. And that's when they contact them. And let them know, hey, we're being interested. We're talking. So I went through that whole process. But what kids don't realize is you're fighting that one scholarship you're fighting for. 500 other kids is fighting for that same scholarship. So what's separating you? What's your worth ethic like? What's your personality? What what traits do you bring? You can score the basketball you want to, but what else do you bring to the table? Because when you get to the college level, everybody can score. Everybody was yeah. a top player on their team. So what what type of trait do you bring besides that that can keep you? playing at the same university. I learned the hard way, but what are those traits? I'm so glad you brought all that up. Like every single thing there. And if, if you're listening to this podcast right now, rewind that for like last four minutes or so and just listen again and take notes of what Henry just said, because there are so many things there. Like, what are you doing to separate? I We say it. And I think a lot of athletes, myself included, when I was younger, we hear that. But 
unless you're actually experiencing you you don't realize like there really is somebody else working harder than you and they're gonna like it's a real it's a reality like and especially now in college athletics there's a transfer portal so a lot of these junior colleges are not just taking guys out of high school they're getting bounce backs that are coming from you know higher divisions or other junior colleges that already have experience they're gonna take those guys first over the high school guys unless you're an elite high school athlete and so I was talking to these college coaches and they're like, well, you've got to really separate yourself as a, as a high school athlete. You really have to now because it's harder. And when we were in um, Arizona, one of the, one of the young men that you are, are training that I happened to have, you know, I was coaching him at, at this last spring. I love this guy. Um, yeah, I love him too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Man. I, I, <laughs> I love this guy. He's actually one of my him yesterday. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm I, happy he's, for him. Yeah. Absolutely one of my favorite dudes. I've talked about him on my platform. I'm, like, I'm not going to silo. Jason Kuval, man. I, yeah, train him. I don't know if he's listening to this, man, but his, he better be I, listening to this. I've been training him since almost about five, six months now, and I've just seen his growth. He was already talented, but what I'm doing with him is just putting it all together. It's just giving them the details of it, it's learning how to be a point guard, not just in high school, but just at that next level because he got yeah. it. But it's just installing it, giving him the reps, giving him the details, and then just building off that. So I think senior year, he's going to shock a lot of people just off of my what I see every time I train him. I can't wait to see what he puts together. He's one of the young men that maybe li- that people are listening, they might relate to him. Like, he's really, really talented. It just happened to be on the team that I was coaching. It was just – it was a h- hard fit for him, and it really wasn't. I was always – as a coach, he knows this. I had multiple conversations with him, so this is not news. I was always trying to figure out how I could best utilize his skill set. And he was the one thing I love about him. And I want to share this with other people is that his mentality was like, he's not going to quit. He was having a hard time. He'd be the first to tell you, like, it was a rough season. I mean, there's, he was, you know, going through some rough times. He's used to being able to play at a certain level, but we have different personnel on the team. Anyway, he didn't quit though. And ever since the season ended, he still did not quit. He's been training with you. He's been going after it. And one of the things was Henry, we were in Arizona, I believe it was Arizona. And he and I were, I was driving him around that tournament. So he was kind of hanging out with me. He wanted to watch the junior college showcase. It was on the other court, just down the, on the same facility. So we go and we're, we're chilling there watching the junior, uh, junior college showcase. And it's a bunch of guys from last chance you and a couple, you know, a lot of these dudes are 22, 23 years old, D one bounce backs. Um, and one of the things he told me, uh, that he noticed, I mean, I noticed it immediately. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is top level talent right there. This is like top level junior college as well. It's not like, this yeah, is no, no, these dudes, yeah. These dudes were, I mean, everybody was six four and above, you know, seven foot wingspans, and they can jump out the gym yeah, and yeah. sprint. The court shrunk basically when they're on the floor, but he did say he was like, You could tell that he understood it. He's like, They're bigger and they're stronger. First off, like, you got to hit the weight room. Second off, the spacing on the floor, they just had a different IQ and a different understanding of the game. They're all playing at the same speed, they all do that. And I just remember him talking about that. And it's one of the things that I've always kept in my mind is one, he understood that. So he's been putting in the work, but two, I just want all the athletes to know whatever you, what you just said there is huge for you guys to understand that there are so many talented athletes out there. You've got to find a way to like become a well-rounded athlete and stand out because there's, there's a lot of talent out there. Cause those junior college dudes are trying to get division one scholarships. And in they even the college dudes though, it's like now back, back when I was, you know, in college, we just, it was just, you know, high school Juco and that was it. Right. And the transfer portal was different because you had to sit out a year. Yep. Well, you can transfer to a school all you want to, but you, NCAA was like, no, you got to sit out. Unless it was like a specific reason why you're transferring yeah. and they would allow you to play right away. So it was a little bit easier for, it's not easy, still not easier. I shouldn't say that. But it, the, the level playing field wasn't as high as now. Now you got about, coaches can recruit in four different, four or five or six different ways. Right. So, you really got to put in the work and it's not about just going out there and scoring points. That's what coaches don't want to see. Like in all honesty, they just want to see what can you do? Like from a point guard, can you handle the basketball? What is your IQ? What is your leadership skills? Like, can I trust you being a leader for my team? Right. When, even with shooting guards, there, can I trust you to be a leader? When things go wrong, can you talk? Can you communicate? He'd be like, Hey, we good. Come on, let's keep it going. Like, yeah, you, you got all those traits, but what are the other traits? Even for bigs, like, can you run the floor? How was your post-up skills? How's your defense? Right? Like, they don't care about you, like, dunking and all that because they go find anybody that's seven feet. But yeah. what else can you do? There's a lot of other seven-feet guys, even in overseas, that's just as highly skilled. 
but they look for those traits. So it, it, it's a it's a playing field. You got to really just separate. You got to really showcase that. And you can't get frustrated if you don't score the points that you think you did, you know, that you did in high school. Like mm-hmm. high school season, you might be averaging 20. AU season, you might be averaging like, you know, 8 to 15. But in college, it's like that, right? It's only a certain amount of players that average 20. It is hard to score at the college level. So what coaches want to see, okay, what? how can he fit in my system? What is his leadership traits? And what is his characteristics? And if you if you check all those goals, then they're going to recruit you even heavier and offer you the scholarship. Because they're offering, you're fighting for a $100,000 scholarship. So <laughs> they got to they gotta recruit. They got to check you out. It, it's a process, but you work hard, stay hard. You, you know, you put your head down. You know, you stay patient. Keep your faith. You'll get it. 100%. Now, to talk about that, based on your own experience as a player, as well as a coach and a trainer and, and whatnot, you, mon- you mentioned leadership. How does an athlete, a young athlete who, you know, they're very talented, they, they've got this, they claim they have the mindset, but how does an, an athlete actually train their own leadership? How do they become a good leader, Henry? It just starts with, like, their their work ethic, right? And, you know, if you're, if you're just going to play basketball and you're playing pickup and you're not talking, then what's going on with the next level? Because in college, you know, a lot of kids, be, you know, when I was coaching, it was like I had to tell them you got to talk because when you get to that next level, it ain't no, it's a requirement. If you ain't communicating, that's for all positions. If you're not talking, you're not playing on that floor. They don't care how talented. There's been a lot of McDonald's All-American kids who struggled at the college level who was supposed to play, and I've seen them. Who was and they told me how hard it was. You you have to be and, and it's not one thing that I tell kids too. You can be a leader. That doesn't have to be one leader on the team. You can be a leader because yes, you're playing AU with guys who all came from different schools, but still be that leader. You can still talk, dive on the floor. There's a loose ball, go get it. Don't stand up and try to get the ball. Like dive for it. That's a trait. That's that attracts coaches. It may not. Uh, like attract like the stats, but cool. A coach is watching that, right? Every game that you're playing at, somebody is watching you. And it takes someone to know someone. So somebody watching and be like, and they might know a coach from Kentucky, like, hey, I got a guy from Idaho you might want to check out. Just off of word of mouth, by you just doing one simple thing. And a lot of kids don't realize the the work that it takes every single day. So it's preparing for that now. Once you get to high school, you got to take it serious if you really if you want to go play at the next level. So you got to take your work ethic serious. You got to take practice serious, right? When the off season hits, spring and summer, you got to be in that gym twice a day or even three, from Monday to Saturday. And I tell players all this all the time. There's 24 hours in a day, right? So when you wake up, I don't care if it's like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m. too. When you go to bed at 10 o'clock, right? That's a whole. That's a lot of time to put in work, right? You can either, you can separate them. You can have one workout in the morning and then one in the afternoon, right? Cause if you're not putting that work, your separation is not going to, you want to keep taking leaps, right? From freshman year to sophomore year, you got to take a leap. From sophomore year to junior year, you got to take a leap. Junior year to senior year, you got to just keep taking leaps. And how you do that is by affecting your cap craft. I appreciate you saying that. One of the things that I've noticed, I'm I'm only been coaching for three years, three seasons. Um, I mean, I was a former player. You know, I've boxed in college, everything. Like I, I'm a, I'm a former athlete. I'm not at the level that you ever were, you know. But um, one of the things is coaching. It's it's very frustrating for me, Henry, because like I still just like two nights ago, I'm like I'm at practices and I'm telling these kids, you got to talk on defense. Like get your mouth open. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, just say something. Be like, hey, if you're standing on the block, my coach used to tell me, like, if you're standing on the block, you don't know what to say. Just say, hey, I'm on the block, I'm on the block, I'm on the... just to get your mouth out there. And then you start to learn, like, where you, what you should be, why you're talking. You're telling your teammates where you're at. Hey, I'm on the backside, I'm on the backside, I got your help side, help side, help side. And then you switch over here. Hey, I got the ball, blah, blah, blah. They're scared to talk for some reason. And I'm like, guys, this is very elementary stuff. And so I'm glad that you just said that because it just solidifies it. If they don't believe me, they can believe someone who's been there. Thank you very much. That's why I clapped when you said that. Like, and then as far as the work ethic, I want to give a shout out to another local product here. His name's Caden Johnson. So KJ, yeah, he's a hooper. He's a hooper. I seen him train, man. He's a dude. Caden wins. 
his whole story is wild. Adam Bowles, shout out to Adam Bowles. Um, he's a good friend of mine here locally in the state. Uh, he was sharing that story today. Um, Caden just got offered a scholarship at the junior college that he's at, but it took six years. I mean, the kid, uh, didn't make his sophomore team. Sorry, he didn't, he made the C team of his, his club team. And then he didn't make the sophomore team. And then he made JV two years in a row. Then he makes varsity and comes off the bench and may, averages six minutes a game. And I remember watching him his senior year thinking like, dude, he's actually got the body type for a, a junior college basketball player, you know? And I was glad to see that he went. And then he goes to junior college and he, he didn't get to see the floor at all. And then he goes again, he goes to another junior college. And this time he finally puts the work in and he gets it six years of training. But the, the, the caveat there, it goes to what you were saying, Henry. The whole story was every time he would like have a downside, his off season, it was five to six days a week in yep. the gym, including yep. weightlifting too. two hours of working out like a, a, a skill work and then an hour of lifting. And I mean, it was every day uh, in the off season. And that's how he has now been able to separate because he had, he had to work. Some people are genetically gifted. Sometimes that happens and you're, you're going to be a late bloomer. He didn't stop working and that's where he's at. So just that, that. Continue, Brian. it's not, you know, I think a, so social media can kind of narrate some some different stuff, right? When you see a 13-year-old doing all this crazy stuff, but once you realize that this is basketball's longevity. Oh right? yeah. So you can be see you at, at the end of the day, you want to start seeing signs of growth, right? But the thing is, you can't see one growth and stop right there and be like, okay, I'm good, I made it, I'm I'm straight, because you got a long ways to go. Right. If your goal is to, you know, by the age of 21, 22, to be like, okay, I got a chance to play at the next level, you got to keep it going. There's no yeah. stopping it. Right. Basketball is such a short time frame. Not everyone is going to get a chance to play at a high level by age 23, 24. Right. So you got this short time frame. What do you do in that time frame? Can you look back? Like, if I was to look back after what I've been through and all the hard work that I put in, I have no regrets because I made it. I, I did. I put. I gave my blood, my sweat, my tears, effort, energy. I. It may be some things that I would change decision wise, but work ethic. I, I'm good because I that put me in a position where I am today. So I have yeah. no regrets, and that's what every kid should think about: is like, am I going to have regrets off of the work ethic, not decision making? That's another thing, but the work ethic. I love it. I love it. I always say, trust your training, but how do you trust your training if you didn't put it all in there? Cause then you get to the game, you're like, well, did I really give it all I had? Can I really trust my own training? So I also play that now too. Like, like when you train, every time I train, like when we're getting ready, warm up, I'm like, Hey, think about how blessed you are to be in this gym right now. A lot of kids don't even have that. I know it's crazy to think about that. We bought there in 2024, but that, like a lot of kids don't have what you have right now. So use that don't take it for granted and how you don't take it for granted is giving it all you got here in this workout because tomorrow is not you know granted to anybody and who's to say that you're going to be healthy for a long period of time just basketball watch so here be in the present give everything you got and leave here walking out of this gym be like you know what i put in work i'm good a quick word from our sponsors discover the savings at deluca insurance whether it's auto, home, motorcycle, or recreational vehicles, we've got your back, Idaho. And when it comes to life insurance, trust a local agent who cares about your best interests. Save today and protect your tomorrow with DeLuca Insurance. Call Kara Lee at 208-813-7273. Again, that's 208-813-7273. Dude, this is what I love about talking to you, man, is that you've been there, so you understand what it takes. Yeah. So, Henry, if, if you go back in time to your high school days, right, um, you go – what was the recruiting process like when you decided, hey, I want to play at the next level, I want to play at the, at the college level, whether it be junior college or whatever, what was your recruiting process like trying to get to that next level? Okay, so um, in high school, I was a late bloomer. It's funny okay. to say, but I was a late bloomer. Um, I played freshman. I dominated. My team went undefeated. Um, we was kind of, I think we was the first team to really go undefeated. At, I went to Berkeley High School, big powerhouse. We've had plenty of college players, pros come from Berkeley High School in Northern California. So they're known for getting guys and females. They, their ba women's basketball program was elite. Had um, a girl, a couple of girls, we have one that, that did play in the WNBA for a little while. She played for the New York Liberty, but 
like it's a powerhouse back like sports program. Football was good, basketball was good, soccer, everything, right? So, and I had all my family members go to Berkeley High. So it was just a family thing. Um, and that's when I took the game serious. Um, but I realized I was still developing. So, but I wanted to put it together. So freshman year, I saw how impactful I was, averaging 17 points, double-double, um, you know, a lot of rebounds. And in sophomore year, I feel like that's when everything started to be put together. I was able to, to dunk the ball on a consistent basis. You know, that summer, I really wanted to, you know, get my leaping ability up because I was tired of my shot getting blocked, right? And I and I, I was tired of that. You know what? In order for me not to get tired of it, I need to go to the gym. And my um, brother at the time, he really took the time to get me in the gym consistently, like whether it was outside or inside, whether it was daytime or nighttime, we was always working backyard or at a park or at a local community gym we was there every spring and summer we was in the gym consistently and it took a big leap in my game sophomore year and i was on the jv team right i could have played varsity but i feel like i needed some more development and i wanted to get more reps in because i wasn't worried too much about like you know trying to play varsity because i know maybe i wouldn't play it as much there was a lot of guys that was for me, I thought that was better. And so I was like, you know what? Let me take the smart approach and just develop my game and get the right reps and get the confidence going. Because that's why I was struggling with this confidence. Like I had it, but I just need confidence. So I dominated. I was, man, it, it was, I was getting a bunch of attention. And then junior year is where it, game kind of, like I had a little hitch because I was playing behind a great player um, his name was uh, Langston Morris Walker. He went to Oregon State. Um, that's my guy now to this day. Um, talk on a consistent basis, but you know he was he was a top guy. He was ESPN top 100. I mean, you know, I had to figure out how to play with him, and vice versa. Two talented guys, but I just feel like we didn't know how to mesh. And it wasn't until late when we figured it out. But because. I feel like it was a lot of coaching, but it was a lot of egos where we couldn't get it right. And yeah. going, looking back at it, I wish I could have said, you know what, you're the guy. But I can also be the guy, but I can be the guy that helps you, helps us go further. Like we had a very, our season was cut short because we lost in the first round of the um, state tournament. But it could have went longer had him and I would have gelled together a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of ups and downs. I wasn't used to that my freshman and sophomore year. Junior year, I'm having these ups and downs, you know, from starting to not starting to barely playing, back to starting, back to coming off the bench. It wasn't until midway to the season where I accepted my role and I came off the bench and I was a six man. But when I came in the game, I was like the energizer, but you know, like grabbing rebounds, scoring, dunking, whatever I can to help teams. And I started to see my points start to go up. I was averaging three points midway into the season. <laughs> right. So like, you know, I had to figure it out. Yeah. And I told my mom, like, I'm ready to transfer. Like, this is just not working. And I was telling my mentor at the time, like, Hey, it's just not working here. I might need to go somewhere else. And he was, and he told me something that really stuck to me. He was like, if you leave, you're going to have to com compete somewhere else. So you got to figure it out right where you are. Because at the college, you're going to compete. You're not going to be the number one player. And so when that hit me, I'm like, okay, what traits do I bring? Because nobody never told me that. So that now I had to figure out what was my traits. And once I figured it out, I did just fine. I was, you know, I was second team all conference. I went from three points to being second team all conference. So I was like, hey, I'll take that. And then going into senior year, you know, just did my thing, you know, won all conference. Wasn't wasn't the MVP because we had a McDonald's All American in our conference, but you know it was it was still good. It was it was good to see that leap and you know how I can relate to players now is I didn't I wasn't heavily recruited. I didn't get the exposure. I didn't know about exposure until I met my mentor my sophomore year. I went to a camp down in uh, Santa Cruz, UC Santa Cruz. It was a shooting camp. You know, I just went down there and he was an alumni. So, you know, he was just giving back to the community. He came back, you know, he came to his alma mater and him and I met and he, I, 
he I didn't get his phone number and, until a year later where it was a teacher at my high school. She was substitute teaching. You know, we was taking like, I guess it was like a star test or something. And I handed her my paper and she was like, are you Henry? I'm like, yeah, I'm Henry. She's like, oh, I'm someone who's been looking for you for almost a year. I said, what? <laughs> and little behold, it was him. Came to my house. He talked to my mom. He was like, I'm going to make sure that your son leaves out of here with the scholarship that we get him to the next level. And I never heard that before. And so he was the one that told me all about the like the exposure and getting to college because I wanted to go to college, but I just didn't know how. Yeah. I didn't have the right guidance. Right. But I seen all the players in my class in the class of 2013, we had Aaron Gordon, um, you know, Gabe Vincent was 20, 2014. You know, we had all of these top level Jabari Bird, like so many high-level guys, uh, Marcus Lee. Like, it was so many guys. It was about three or four McDonald's All-Americans in my class. Yeah. From just Northern California. <laughs> so, and it was a few others that was also, like, ESPN Top 100. So, like, the level of competition was there. So, that motivated me to really put in more work because I wanted to be in a similar situation as those guys, but the only difference was they've been – put in like in all these big time camps, playing on top AU programs. And I didn't have that. And I was sad about it. And after my senior year, I didn't really have no big time offers. And it wasn't until my mentor, he called me and I was in church. He texted me, he's like, yo, I got to talk to you. I'm like, man, I'm in church. Like, I, I can't, he's like, just step out. I'm like, all right. So I stepped out. He was like, you, you I just got you on with Compton Magic. I'm like, what? I'm like, are you talking about the Compton Magic? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yo, you serious? You you playing with me right now? And he's like, no, you got a tournament in the next two weeks. I said, what? <laughs> and so they had a, a, a unsigned senior team, and he got me. They was looking for a guy, and he was able to get me in. And so I told him because at at that time I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to junior college, so I'm just finding junior college to go to. And it wasn't until I got that call that basically saved my life. Um, and you know, my mom was like, you give an opportunity, let's go out there. And I went in there with no offers and I walked out of there with 15 D one school. Yo, dude. Okay. Some would call it <laughs> luck. And that's why we say when preparation meets opportunity, you'd been preparing, you'd already done the thing. You had the right opportunity. You made the right connections. That's part of life. So I hope everybody's taking note of this bigger picture here with you, Henry, like all of this from a bigger picture. You had a mentor, you connected with them. Uh, some call that a coincidence. I do not. I actually think that's a whole entire, that, that's God playing chess, not checkers. A year later, he gets you in contact with his, with the mentor that you had connected. You know, all the things later on at dominoes over to this Compton magic. All of a sudden you got offers from everywhere when you weren't expecting it. It was crazy. It, it, was, wow. crazy. it was crazy being, I, I've never been in that environment. And this is big kudos to my mentor. He was the one who really got me on the path. He's mentored guys like Clay Thompson, Austin Day. So I got a chance to see Clay Thompson in person. Super cool dude. Austin Day, I got a chance to work out with him, right? And all these other top college and pro guys. So he's been there before. He's done it. He know what it takes. So having that guy in my corner um, was, you know, really helpful because my mom didn't know how to do it. My older brother, he know how to do it. Like even my older cousin where she got to college, but it was different. You know, the, she was in the college in the late, you know, early 2000s, 2013. She's just trying to figure it all out. So we all trying to figure it out, but he know he'd been there, done that. So he was just putting me in position. And when I got to Compton Magic, we played in a uh, camp. It was called the Pango, All Pangos West Camp. And I don't know if they still do the Pangos Camp anymore. Um, I know they still do the All-American, but we, where the Pangos West Camp, was, West Camp was inviting all the top players from, you know, the West, you know, West Coast. On like Arizona, yeah. you know, LA, I mean, Cali and all these other places and just, you know, bring them to this camp to showcase their talents. And it was top coaches there. Like I've never seen all these coaches there, you know, and man, when I told you a lot, like a fire just, just lit up in my head, seeing those coaches, you know, it can, it, it was nervous, you know, it was nerve wracking, yeah. but I was like, man, you know what? I'm just going to play basketball. I'm going to just control what I can control and let the rest figure itself out naturally. And, you know, like it, it took a while because I never played with so many talented guys. There were 10, 15 guys that were division one guys. Yeah. 
So I had to figure out how to mesh. Like, how can I blend this in? Like, what traits do I got to make this work? And I'm like, you know what? Me being a versatile player, I'm going to use that to the best of my advantage. You know, so I was a mismatch. I could play the, you know, two, three. I could play the, you know, the small four and just do my thing. And once my mentor just told me, hey, this is how you approach the game, you know, get the easy buckets, score two points, run the floor, set good screens, move it out the basketball, you'll see how much you, you'll have 20 points faster than you know. And then I took that approach and little behold, I was killing by that, by the second tournament. And the first tournament, after the first tournament, I got a call from Cal State Northridge. And, you know, it, and it was crazy because after our final game, he was talking to my mentor. I know what they was talking about, but he like, he gave me a fist bump. And I was just like, yo, it's a coach that gave me, I've never did that before. Like what? And then, um, you know, come to find out, he's like, yeah, they want you for the division one schools want you as well. And I'm just like, yo, like at my height, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I almost, I think I was crying on my way home, not in a bad way, but just like, oh, God, yeah. thank you. You know, um, and we played in our final tournament in Vegas. And uh, that's when I felt like I was really comfortable. And we played in the semifinals in the Adidas 64 and we won that game. But I had about five schools that came up to my AU coach wanted my number, and one of them called me right after the game, which was um, LIU Brooklyn, um, like a low to mid-major school, and offered me right on the spot. And I just – it was crazy. Like, I couldn't believe it. Me and my mom and my brother and his wife and his daughter at the time, we was just, like, just so happy. My grandmother was there, too. We were just so happy. We couldn't believe it. <laughs> Yo, dude, that, it's so cool to hear that because that's the stuff I didn't know. Now, for the sake of time, because we have a, a time limit that we can record before he has to, you know, Henry's got to get to some training sessions later today. I've got to get some information on your your college experience and your professional, like just even post-college experience, yeah. you know, like I got to get, get some insight there. But I do want to know, like, so the listeners know, what school did you decide on and what made you make that decision? So um, I, had, I, had my, I had my choices, uh, but... There were some, you know, issues with, you know, my, my classes with NCAA. Uh -huh. So a lot of back and forth. I had to reclassify in 2014. Um, so I was homeschooling. I didn't play on no schools. I mean, no high schools. I was homeschooling, taking classes. Um, and I was able to play with Compton Magic again that following offseason, like that spring and summer. So I played with them. So a lot of schools kind of backed off. You know, I was going to initially sign at LIU Brooklyn. Um, and go there and just play D1 ball, but I couldn't, NCAA wouldn't allow it. Um, but the second time, that's when I got recruited by um, a few schools, UTEP, University of Texas, El Paso. Um, there's a few other Division I schools. I can't think of their names. Idaho State, um, San Jose State. Um, I thought I was actually going to go to San Jose State until the University of Idaho called me, and that's when um, I took my official visit up there and I committed. Yo, so man. Okay. <laughs> Henry, having all the experience that you had though, like, so now we're going to talk about your college experience. You've had this yeah. experience, high school, AAU ball, Compton magic. You've played in front of some big time coaches. You already kind of have been in the spotlight. You've been around big time athletes. You're from Northern California. You're playing ball there big time athletes you've mentioned you've name dropped a couple of people already but what was the biggest transition for you going to college because you said the guy told you like you got to be able to compete it's gonna there's always gonna be competition at the next level so like was that a shocker for you when you got there what was the oh, yeah. shocker transition it's, it's one thing is one thing to hear about it but it's nothing to see it when you see <laughs> it you're like oh wow like it, it's serious it's not and i can see why guys can struggle to to you know, because it's a, it's a big transformation. You go from yeah. middle school to high school, now high school to college. You're not the number one guy. You got to prove it. You're a nobody until you step on that court and show and get that respect. It ain't given to you no more now. So it was a big change, man. And and I struggled my freshman year. I was I was redshirted um, at University of Idaho, and I wasn't working hard. I, I can admit it. I just wasn't putting in the work. I just, you know, I was so just caught up in being there that I wasn't there. I didn't, yeah. I didn't work hard. My work ethic wasn't strong. So, you know, the coaches, you know, they had a bad season and 
they made some changes. They decided not to, you know, bring me back. And I, that's when I learned about the business. You know, it, it was heartbreaking. And, you know, I had to go, you know, the JUCO route. Went to a JUCO um, in Kansas. You know, it was a big shock for me because the weather was di- way different, far away from home, way farther away from home than I was in Idaho. You know, so, but I had to figure it out. Like, this was my chance to make something of myself and play with some, you know, high-level D1, D2 guys on my team. And, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. But once I did, you know, my chances came and I got offered, you know, to a couple of schools, but I chose um, Cal Poly Pomona, Division II school. Um, you know, I, in my head, I wanted to go back D1, but things just didn't look like it. And, you know, I understood. And so I was like, you know, I just want to find a program that I can play for. And I found it and I went to Cal Poly Pomona and I struggled. I struggled. That's that's when I felt like I didn't really give it my all. I had another opportunity to play college ball at a division two school, and I didn't take it for granted. Like I, I, I just, I just didn't put work in, and had a bad. We had a bad season, and they had to make changes again, and and I was out the door, and it was hard. I was, I was very mentally. I felt like I was over basketball, and I didn't know where I was gonna go. Then and you know, thankfully, um, the assist, one of the assistant coaches at Cal Poly Pomona knew the head coach, well, the former head coach at Menlo College, which is a small private NAI program. You know, a lot of kids are like, oh, I don't want to go NAI. I don't. That's that's the lowest lowest. But I was at the lowest lowest. I had to figure. I just needed somewhere to play and showcase that I was good. And so I was just depressed out of it, and I was like, you know what? This is my last chance. If I can't make work here, I gotta. I need to just wrap it up. And I went there and had the best two years of my college career, which put me in a position to play pro basketball. Dude, I'm so inspired by that because you've mentioned, you know, the Division One junior college. You've mentioned D two. You've mentioned NAIA. You really had to go through a mental grind. Um, if an, another athlete is experiencing something similar to this, Henry, that might come across this podcast, or maybe a parent who has an athlete that's going through something similar, uh, what would you say? Just maybe one piece of advice from the mental standpoint, if you could go back over and do it over again. You meant you mentioned checking out a few times, like I just didn't give it my all. Maybe I took it for granted. You yeah. is there something you wish you would have done differently as far as like snapping out of it and like taking advantage? Um, I think I would have approach college a little bit differently because I thought everything would be handed to me like what wow. I and once you realize yeah coaches are going to recruit you but once you step on that campus you got to earn that yeah you know they not it's a business if you're not producing if you're not bringing a trait that can keep you every year you're fighting for you know to stay on that program and if you're not putting in work you're out the door, they're replacing you with someone new and fresh who's going to get it done because their job is on the line. They have, you know, they're getting paid all this money. And if you're, if they're not winning, they're out the door. So they have to do what they, they can do to stay there. So, and they're not going to let a player get in their way. So if they're, you're not winning and you're not producing, you're not there or you're getting replaced and you're on the bench. You're going to keep your scholarship, but you're not going to play. That other kid will. So that's why I learned about the competitive mindset. And I wish I would have had that the moment I stepped foot as a freshman at the University of Idaho. And it wasn't until I got to Menlo where I learned about the hard, the real hard work and keeping it and maintaining it. Oh, that's a life lesson right there. So I'm going to tell everybody, pay attention to that one. You go into the workforce or whatever you do later on, if you're an entrepreneur, start your own business. You got to keep that the competitive. That's when it starts. You just you don't get to just coast. You got you got to always be producing, always get better at your craft. That's at, at there's people coming yeah. to take your job all the time, and that's a huge thing, Henry. I appreciate you sharing that because it, it's such a life lesson that people don't realize. Um, I, when I talked to Jerry Stackhouse, NBA vet, here on the show once, he um, talked. To, I asked him that same question about like you know how when people were coming in to try to take his spot in the NBA, they were drafting guys that were in his same position and. 
He said he didn't have any trouble telling them what to do because they couldn't do what he could do anyway. And the reason yep. that he felt so confident about that is because he was always putting in the work. He's like, I don't have no problem teaching you my tricks because you can't do what I can do anyway. So that's yep. the, he had to have that level of confidence for 18 years in the NBA of just consistently like it's working. Consistent. It's consistent. <laughs> I tell players all the time, you got to be consistent with what you do. And I wish I I had it in high school and I lost it the first couple years of college. But once I regained it, it took a lot. I went through hell and back to figure it out. But luckily, by the grace of God, I had that time and I got it and I didn't take advantage of it. And I kept it consistent and I kept my spot and it just put me in a position where I can go play at the highest level. But it, it it's a mental thing. You got to be mentally locked in. If you're not mentally locked in, especially in college, it doesn't matter if you're playing Division One, Division Two, NAIA, these coaches don't. They can talk to your mama all every single day. At the end of the day, they have a responsibility is to have a winning program. So if they don't have a winning program, they got to figure out those questions and they got to answer them. It's their livelihood too. That's what people don't realize. They get paid to try to win. And if they're not winning, they have to do something or else it's yep. their livelihood is impacted. Now you mentioned professional basketball mm -hmm. as we're wrapping up because we're getting towards the end of the interview. I could talk to you for like two hours, man. But like, <laughs> professional basketball where did you play henry talk to us about your professional so, experience I, um, so yeah so i played in in argentina um after my senior year i was like my whole goal was to play professional right but my goal was first nba before i went to college and then afterwards i really changed changed my mindset okay i can play overseas like i see that more reachable and it's not a bad thing it's not a knock but i see myself no. playing overseas um and so after my senior year you know, I broke my foot. Oh. So I was out for like four months and I was trying to go overseas. And so I was able to, you know, get a get a couple of agents, but I'm coming from a lower tier. So, you know, it's hard for, you know, agents to really get guys up to the highest level. But I just stayed consistent. You know, the odds were stacked against me, kept going. Um, and little behold, I found myself getting the contract with uh, Argentina playing in their top, almost their top, like their I just said top two lead, and man, it was just such a blessing um, just to be in that position to play overseas. Um, when it happened, I, I didn't believe it. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, it felt so unreal. Um, I feel like all the hard work from childhood to, you know, to then it was just like it was worth it. Um, and so I went there, and, you know, it just didn't work out. I mean, I got there, and, you know, I was doing my thing, but, COVID happened. <laughs> it was the first year I played. I went to professional 2019, then 2020 pandemic happened. So it, it was cut short. I could have went longer, but I just decided there was another journey ahead of me that I was ready to approach. So I decided to take that journey and give up on the game of basketball, but I didn't, wasn't upset about it. I said, you know what? I got a chance to play at the highest level against top level guys, most guys don't make that jump from college to pros. It ain't a given. So for me to be that one tier that makes it um, is a blessing. I'm like, you know what? I wipe my hands. I'm good. You know, still got it back there. I'm on my whole wall. I got to frame it. I haven't, been, I haven't made the time to frame it. I got to frame it. My wife was like, you got to frame that. I'm like, yeah, no, I just, yeah, but. It was fun, man. It was good to play, play some great teams, played in a great atmosphere. Like, man, like, the, man, I'll tell you, the atmosphere, it, like how you see, how you guys watch the, the soccer games, that's how it is for basketball. Like, it is crazy. And my first game, man, I'm talking about when we was walking in the gym, you can hear the, the crowd. just, And it was a road game. They was just going crazy. And I'm just like, yo, what? Like, I've seen this on TV. I ain't seen this in person. This Great. I couldn't believe it. You know, what's funny is I, I lived in Brazil for two years. I served a church mission down there. And um, I remember, I mean, Argentina's borders where I, I lived in an area that bordered Argentina and um, obviously Brazil and Argentina, they have their little tiff with each other, especially on the yeah. football field, the soccer field, I should say. But yeah. I will tell everyone this, like when you mentioned overseas, that's no joke, dude, as far as talent level, even in Brazil, like people will always look at it as a, as a, as a soccer country, which it is. But it, the basketball talent in Brazil was wild. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm talking there were some wild athletes down there, way better than a lot of the people I've ever seen here in the United States. 
Argentina is the same way. There, there's some hoopers down there that we just don't hear oh, about. So, so you, you were saying man. that, like I can attest I to never, that. I never thought that them dudes over overseas can hoop, but man, I had they can. Them dudes can hoop, and they're skilled. Yeah, like that's skill. I, I was able to see how guys like Giannis and Luca and Jokic is so. They're that's all they work on is skill. Like they're skilled. They have the skill in the mindset. Like, and they've been playing pro since they was like 13, 14, like these guys. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's, they don't have a college. They don't have, like, it's just pro. You want a pro team, they got, you know, younger groups and they just develop them. Yep. 100%, man. Well, I'm glad you got to have the opportunity to do that. You overcame adversity through your playing career. Now, you're still giving back to the game of basketball, though. So yeah. can you tell everybody who's listening what you're doing? What What's the, the jungle? Talk to us about your training so we can, uh, you know, let people know where to find you. Yeah, so I, I, I do a basketball training program uh, now. It's called Jump Basketball. It, the main focus of it is just giving back the knowledge. You know, for me, I have this what, – what started this was I took some time away from basketball when I retired. Right? I'm like, all right, I want to focus on the next, you know, path of my life. And so when my wife and I moved out here in 2021, you know, I was just – I was playing, you know, I was at home court, Marine home court, playing with my, you know, my brother-in-law. And I just saw kids just playing basketball, and I'm just like, you know what? I want to give back. It just sparked the light to, to give back to the game. Because I feel like I got it so much up here, I wanted to pass it down. I feel like it would be a disservice to not pass the game down and keep it going in the right path. And so I told my wife, and I thought she would look at me crazy. She was like, let's do it. And so – I, I wanted to do it the right way, and so I really wanted to approach the game good. I want these kids to understand the details, understand everything that I was taught growing up, and I pass it on to them, right? And understanding that it's not necessarily about me now. It's more about these kids. What my goal is is to get these kids the most confidence that they can get and while building reps, while building knowledge, right? Because every kid has – what you're teaching them, but it's up to you to get them to see it. Now, once they see it, they're comfortable. Now they're like, okay, I can do it. They're just like, you know, on that, oh, can I do it? I don't know, I don't know. So you're trying to get them to trust it, believe it, and then see the results from themselves. So that's what my goal is. I just get them to see it, provide the knowledge and wisdom for them to trust it, and then it's crazy because once they do it, they're like, oh, it's, it's not that hard. Like, see, I told you, it's just a trust game. It's just a belief game. It's the details. I'm just it's installing all the details for you to learn all these scenarios with the reps, with all the skill moves, right? It's up to you to, like, install it here. And when it happens in, when it happens in the game, your mind will slow down because you didn't seen it be broken down with the training. So now it's easier come game time. We'll put in the work with our training. So that way, when you're on the court, it's easy. Everything is slowed down in the mind. And that's what I really care about is the mindset here. I don't care about the physical. Yeah, I care about it, but I care about how can I slow down the game here for you? How can I get you to overcome obstacles and get you to stay in the moment and not dwell on something goes wrong? You miss a shot. Okay, so be it. We on to the next rep. You got to shake it off. You got to keep going. You can't do it. Don't let one one mistake lead to three future mistakes. Yeah. yeah. You shake it off. You keep going. And you'll see how easily you can overcome, like, a, a thing in basketball. Because that's what happens in the game. You're going to have your highs. You're going to have your lows. You can't let your lows affect you. Keep going. I love it, dude. So where can we find you, Henry, for those who are, like, interested in utilizing your services? Man, how please follow me on Instagram, underscore TJ Basketball. I mean, I'm all around. I, I post heavily. Um, you, you can also go onto my website, www.thejunglebasketball.com. If you guys ever want to schedule, I have uh, photos. I have videos of my training sessions. Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's just good, man. The game of basketball. It, it, I'm gonna tell you this too. Idaho basketball. Mark my words. Five, ten years from now, right? The younger class. There will be 10 to 20 guys, guys and females, that will be playing at the Division One level. And a few of them that might make it to the NBA and WNBA. I'm going to mark it. I'm going to say it. I Trust me. The, man, these what these kids is doing, 
they, they'll be just fine. Idaho basketball is going to be in a different atmosphere. They will be up there with, you know, the Utahs and the Vegas, like the skill level that's coming out of here. It's a shame that the high schooler guys, like the older guys who's like junior seniors won't be able to see it. But for these younger groups, what I see, man, it's going to be crazy. Ooh, you heard it here first. Let's go. I'm going to put the links in the description, Instagram, and your website for those who are interested. Yes, go sir. Appreciate you, Henry. Thank you so much for joining the show, man. I know you got to go to your training, so go do your thing. And for those who are listening, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you thought. It helps this get out to more people. And uh, you guys know the drill. If you hit the subscribe button, you can listen to the next ones because we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.